This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers. Learn more at square.com slash go slash ferment. Good evening, and welcome to the return of Fun Men About, About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izet. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And thanks for joining us on this journey through all things fermented. That's right, on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, along with a lot of other uh, friends and family. Uh, the program here is awesome. We've been longtime fans and are really happy to be part of the family. And to those of uh, you who know us, uh, we are so sorry for for deserting you a year and a half ago. This is episode 248. The last episode was episode 247, and it was recorded or aired on April 4th of 2019. And uh, we had planned on continuing continuing the show, uh, but then we got really, really busy and life took over. We've been running this brewery, all sorts of things happened, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, But today's date is... May 21st, I think. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I actually got the date right. It's May 21st, and we're in the midst of pandemic, and there's a lot going on out there. So I just want to say a giant thank you to all the first responders, doctors, and nurses that are on the front line, um, and to all those performing essential services as well, like food delivery, trash pickup, running public transportation, etc. And to all of you listening to podcasts at home and responsibly practicing social distancing thereby contributing to the flattening of the pandemic curve and our ultimate triumph over this freaking virus. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> but what have we done since episode 247? Um, at that time, we were Fifth Hammer. I mean, we still are Fifth Hammer. Our brewery is running well. Um, kind of been crazy. Uh, but in early 2019, when we left you last, the brewery was a year and a half old. We were slowly expanding. I was expanding brew crew. Um, we've gotten more tanks from there. We're fermenting a lot. Um, the neighborhood is getting to know us very well and has supported us pretty triumphantly. Um, we're really excited and, and daily inspired by, by the, by the brews we're doing and constantly learning. And, uh, we'll talk a lot about that here as we move on. So let's, let's, <laughs> if you, if you don't know us, if this is your first time listening, or maybe you've listened to a few episodes, but, uh, we, I mean, we haven't talked about Fifth Hammer that much. That's no, kind we of haven't. we opened this brewery, Fifth Hammer Brewing Company, in Long Island City. That's the westernmost neighborhood of Queens in New York City. It's normally one stop from the Grand Central Station um, on the wonderful New York City subway. Um, <laughs> we opened in the end of September 2017, and that's kind of what what started this whole hiatus. Um, opening your own business is takes a lot of time, as it turns out. Uh, both Chris and I were involved from the start. I was still working full-time until June of 2018 yeah. when I quit my full-time day job and went full-time with the brewery. Um, so that was the beginning of kind of the, the hiatus of Femen about it, just because we were so in the trenches of running this brewery. So we have a production brewery as well as a tap room in Long Island City. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's kept us busy. We've like Kuzma said, we've been expanding. We have a fifteen barrel brew house. We started with how many tanks? Two thirty barrel tanks, one thirty barrel bright tank, two fifteen barrel, two fifteen barrel uh, fermenters, and then uh, one one little five barrel yeah. uh, 
bright tank that we call our fun tank. We bought it off our neighbor's big Alice Brewing Company. And especially being who we are as homebrewers first, that helped us exercise a lot of experimental uh, ideas with flavoring and things. Um, a lot of extensions from inspiration from your book, Speed Brewing, and and uh, just constantly whatever we're influenced and inspired by in New York City, like taking uh, local cuisine and spices from these local cuisines and, and dosing beers that were fermented in the other tanks. The fun tank. The fun tank. And we expanded. We've expanded our fermentation capabilities more than double over the first two – in the first two years, I guess, of – or yeah, just yeah. under two years. Um, we added two amazing 37.5-barrel – uh, fermenting fooders. So they are American white oak built in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, super exciting. Yeah, that's that's really fun dealing with learning with the wood. Like even as a home brewer, we did get some 30 or some five gallon barrels, uh, but we actually never used them here at the house. I'm looking at one now and it's like a coffee table thing. <laughs> but never. But wood has always been inspiring and, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. It's porous. It functions differently uh, as Different really from stainless, things you can expect to get, um, but contributes really great flavor, and that flavor changes batch to batch. Uh, and what we're seeing with these new fooders are, is the wood mellowing over time and uh, and being basically less astringent, less tannins, um, and a little bit more vanillin and a little, little pillowy. And we have a lager that we've done in one of the fermenters, and we just came out with a third batch, and it is like, it's just... It's crisp, it's plush, it's clean, uh, not getting a, too much vanillin from the wood, and definitely the tannins have come down really a lot. I mean, we're, learn, we're learning a lot on how to, how to work with it, and I'd like to figure out how more to talk yeah, about I think- I'd like to talk to some home brewers uh, this season about what they do with wood, because as a home brewer, we used to use wood chips, too, to get, to get that flavor and impart into home ferments. And look, you can do a lot of stuff in wood. I mean, that, now there's barrel-aged maple syrup. Definitely, you know, a lot of spirits are aged in barrels. Um, but I think there's a lot of fermentation that can be done in wood. Or, you know, as a home brewer, we used to use, like, wood chips, wood blocks. You can also use that, I think, in some of other fermentations as well. That might be fun. So that's definitely something we, we would like to explore now that we're back. Especially as a home brewer, taking those chips and then soaking them in maybe one of your favorite spirits and or wine. Then you can really kind of, like, share and impart the flavor uh, from that. That's mm-hmm. super fun. So let's talk about, here we are. <laughs> so what are, what is <laughs> pandemic 2020? Um, so obviously we, uh, New York state went on pause on March, I believe it was 18th was the date. So it's been just over two months here in New York city or no New York. Sorry. New York city actually went kind of on pause first. We had to close down our tap room on Monday. It was the day before St. Patrick's day on Monday, March 16th. Yeah. Um, and we pivoted to a to-go only model. So in New York State, as a brewery, we are considered an essential business. And we were able to quickly pivot with online store, online ordering, as well as pickup. We have a curb directly in front of the brewery, so I guess it's technically curbside. Um, and just sell our beer to go. So in 16-ounce uh, cans that we fill from our draft system, as well as 32-ounce crowlers that we fill from our draft system, we added plastic to-go cups with lids uh, a couple weeks in. And then we are also canning four packs of beer as well. So that's what we have been doing. Uh, we've, we were a, pretty much a draft 
driven brewery more. I mean, we've been canning since we opened, but definitely we put more beer into into kegs than than cans. So that has changed, and now we're putting all of our beers into cans. We did take a brewing break for I don't know what two or three weeks. Two or three weeks, and then it was just. Just to kind of, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen. Even in the first week, you know, before, between when New York City closed down all bars and restaurants um, for in-house dining and drinking um, to when the state actually went on pause, you know, we weren't sure if we were even going to be able to stay open to any capacity. So, you know, we went on a pause as well in our business, but we started brewing. It, it was pretty obvious a couple weeks in that we were going to be in this space that we're yeah. in work you know running as a as a beer store essentially i now like to call it the fifth fifth hammer beer counter because we have a <laughs> a giant ledge outside that people used to drink on inside the tap room and now um and now that's what we serve from so all of our to-go beer so we're actually it's a it, it's not the same as being a, a tap room for sure we miss all the people we miss all of our um all of our dog friends and Man, our front of house staff, it's just not the same. But we've had wonderful support from the neighborhood and the city, and um, and we're selling beers. So we are pivoting to canning all of our beers at this point. Uh, we are brewing more. We just went scale back up to full-scale production, uh, I guess, a week or two ago. Uh, our back house crew is mostly back. So um, we're still staying busy. It's kind of have to keep things changing as they go. Um, yeah, I think one thing that's interesting about that is that even though the model has changed to, well, there are a couple of things that with this. As a taproom, as Fifth Hammer, we, and being us, uh, and as the whole team Fifth Hammer, we are all promiscuous drinkers and therefore promiscuous brewers, and we have all sorts of people coming through into through our taproom, so we've had a very diverse range of styles. Um, but the canned game on what's on the shelves, even during this pandemic, still favors... IPAs and sours. So our direction on what we're brewing when and how fast we're moving through things has changed. And what we need to have all the time are definitely IPAs and sours to keep the lights on. We do enjoy those beers too. We also love making the other beers, but it's interesting. We have to make those more often and more frequently in order to keep up because um, things aren't flowing at the same rate. So our, while it hasn't changed our philosophy, it has changed the need of what we're doing when by way of brewing design. That's true. But we're still having fun. We made a, a Belgian blonde, yeah, 7% one. with our friend John Moxie at Rockwell. You might remember him from episode whatever, from Car Talk with Jonathan Moxie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember And that, we, did, we didn't intend to put that in cans originally. No, we didn't. We? we were ready to, yeah. I mean, that, that was going to be a draft-only beer. And, right. Man, we put it in four packs, and it sold really well, and it was super excited. We got a lot of good feedback. So I think it's fun these days. I mean, like Kuzme said, we love IPAs and we love sours. I think IPA is really the, you know, that sells the fastest pretty much. There's a huge demand for IPAs right now. And a lot of, of people that are drinking IPAs, uh, which is awesome. But it's, it's for- also fun to, to you know, see people react to other beers too. So it's super cool to be able to see Musical Cabinet, which was our se- the 7% Belgian Blonde that we were talking about, um, to, to see people really appreciate it. Because I think it's important to have diversity no matter what. Dude, there's a lot of really amazing IPAs, and we love to make IPAs, but we, you know, we love to make everything else too. So it's a it's a fun new world. 
of canning. Right. We'll talk about that more too. Ooh, you know, in one the of the future. speaking of fun new world and, and IPAs and hops and uh, you know basically hops can be very can very much you can get a lot of different flavor from hops a lot of different things depending on how you how you use them where you use them and how you leverage them. One of our biggest and neatest toys uh, we got uh, plugged in earlier this year and it is a centrifuge. Basically, it spins at eighty two hundred rounds per minute and throws all solid matter kind of against the wall and separate. It's called a separator, a centrifuge separator. Uh, and uh, we're, with that G-force comes, uh, you know, it's squeezing the hop matter and basically squeezing the hop oils out of the hops in addition to getting rid, it's separating the liquid from the solids coming with that matter. Uh, but that's making the hops react differently, and we're actually, uh, the efficiency on extracting that flavor is, is higher and bringing out, like, different elements of a hop that otherwise wouldn't be subject to such G-force, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I'm not saying at home you should get a centrifuge for your homebrew setup, no. but if you can, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and well, the yields are so great too. Just, yeah, this we can talk more about all of that. It's fun, like, and we're, it's good to be back. We missed you. It's true. It's true. So t- <laughs> I would say, you know, two and a half years into into owning a production brewery and tap room, um, we got our centrifuge. How many months have we had it now? We got our centrifuge earlier this year. Got it. We got it in December, but it was plugged yeah. in uh, early January, January 12th this year. Yeah. Not that so, you know, we're kind of at the stage of the game where we're increasing our technology as a brewery and, and really tightening our processes, I guess, through technology, let's say. Yeah, and with um, it's coming great learning. Right? Yep, I that's mean, true. Just about- and man, a lot of really good beer. So it, that's fun. But let's talk about what we've been doing through this time. So even though we have been, um, you know, working full time pretty much throughout this since we went on, since New York City shut down bars and restaurants. Um, we're obviously not going out at night. We're staying home. It's basically home. We live in uh, South Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is not too far. We'll talk about that in a second. From the brewery, it's about three miles from our brewery, which is in Long Island City. Uh, so we've mostly just been moving back and forth from home to the brewery. So it has. So even though you know we're working full-time, we have been staying home other than that a whole lot more than we normally do. And we've been getting back to fermenting at home. We're cooking a lot more. Um, and it's, we've had some, some good, man, it's been fun kind of, I mean, all the cooking and and getting back to home fermentation has been a whole lot of fun. So let's talk about that. What has your bit been your favorite thing, Kuzmi? Favorite thing? Yeah. I don't know. It's a love hate favorite because (laughs) (laughs) you've had to watch me through it. It's my favorite because the, uh, okay. So I've been, I've never been very good at making sourdough or having the patience to get it all together, but I, you know, obviously I, I, I actually had started the sourdough before this COVID thing came through or before the pandemic, um, but I hadn't made many loaves before that. Uh, But I did have a starter anyway. Came back to this uh, and I made loaves a couple different times. First time was great. And I was like, holy shit, this is really, it worked out. This was really great. Second time, totally flat. Third time was really great. Uh, Fourth time, giant, amazing taste. The sourdough starter was definitely tasting great. I had like good acidity, but they were like giant crackers. And like, I am certainly struggling, but it is my favorite thing, sort of, of, of the fermentations that I've gotten back to here at the house. The most successful though is pickling. I've made a couple of pickles and I like that. And it's simple and doesn't, require the same sort of patience or attentiveness as sourdough bread. It's not as, um, you don't have to be nail the timing down as much. Right. right? <laughs> right. So let's talk about pickles. What, uh, so we had, you made one giant batch of pickles that we've been eating and you made pickles today. So what's your, what's your go-to pickle recipe right now? Well, 
kind of keeping it simple between two and five percent of, of a salt brine. Um, and I did some recent reading where actually for cucumbers, you actually want a little more than two percent to really work. For most vegetables, you want less than two percent or you want two percent salt. Salt brine is good for for things like cabbage and carrots and, and things like that. But for pickles, apparently you want it to be a little bit saltier. The problem is if you get too salty for a brine, uh, you won't get that lacto- lactic acid fermentation. And so you don't want to go really above 5%, um, if that. Um, and what happens basically if you do that, then you basically have like a salt-cured pickle or whatever. You have a salt-cured vegetable instead of an actually lactic acid-fermented pickled vegetable. And that's the danger. So, And so what is my recipe? Yeah. Or what have I done? Um, I will... So what does it mean to be 2% or 3% or 5%? Uh, if you have 1,000 milliliters of water, then you would put uh, 20, uh, 20 grams of salt in that 1,000 milliliters of water to have a 2% salt level and change that to 30 grams and that's that. And that and, and divide that, you know, figure it out for based on the liquid that you need. Um, and then for us and pickling spices, you want to have some tannins to keep your, keep your pickles crisp if you're using cucumbers. Um, and before you add the cucumbers, I actually put the cucumbers, I cut off the stems uh, and then let them sit in a crisp ice water bath. I'm not sure why this is important, but people say to do it. it they say it keeps some of the crisp. You stuff. know what? I think you need to listen to some of our old episodes because we went over this stuff. <laughs> I know, but this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> you know, I haven't had a chance to listen to all 247. I strongly recommend myself to do so. And, yeah. uh, have we even gotten better at this show? I don't, I don't think. I, don't know. I know that we're having a hard time getting back today, uh, but it's good to be back. And I look forward to talking more about it now that I'm deeper in it. I will admit that even during recording of those 247 episodes that uh, we aren't always talking with experience ourselves doing it. We may dabble in some of these ferments. While we have fermented a lot, we're by no means any expert, but that's why we're getting guests and and having these conversations. Yep. But it's also, I think it's important though. Look, nobody's perfect. Sometimes these things don't turn out, right? Sometimes you have. Oh, my bread situation. I know, but listen. Sarah Owens, come back. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about sourdough, look, everybody's making sourdough right now, right? You can't find yeast in the grocery store. We're all home way more than we normally are. There's been, you know, flowers and, both flour and yeast shortages. But sourdough is something that's a lot of fun to play with at home. And even if it doesn't turn out perfectly, I think most of the time it's, it can still be edible. You know, the last batch that Kuzme talked about making, it was pretty flat. But, man, it was really flavorful. Right. And, it, you know, I, I ate it anyway. It was just like eating very chewy, crude. It was a cracker. Time, yeah. It was a giant cracker. It was really good, though. It's like a fluff cracker. So pickles, if you want to know more about pickles and go back in time, episode 93, we talked with Brooklyn Brian Pickle Shack on pickled fermentitude. Oh, yeah. And then episode 190, we talked with Amanda Pfeiffer, Life is Fickle, Make Pickles. So those are two episodes that you can go back to when you when you want to learn more about pickling. And we're going to update. We'll talk to some more people about pickling in the next couple months. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be back to you on Ferment About It. Episode 248, The Return of Ferment About It. This episode is brought to you by Square. I'm Mary Isette, co-host of Ferment About It. For restaurant, bar, and taproom owners, it's not business as usual right now. 
As people stay at home, we're all trying to find new ways of staying connected to our customers. At Fifth Hammer Brewing, we had to convert our tap room to a to-go room and move from serving pints to selling four packs and crawlers to go. If you're a business owner, Square wants to let you know it has tools that can help you shift your business. One of these tools is Square Online Store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery. Square Online Store is free and very quick to set up. I was able to set up our online store within 24 hours of moving to a to-go model. With an online ordering page, you can easily update your menu with descriptions, ingredients, pricing, and more. Really whatever you want, it's fully customizable. You can offer curbside pickup and no-contact local delivery. It's also very easy to train your staff on. They will be able to receive, fulfill, and provide your customers with a contactless pickup in no time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash ferment. Welcome back to Ferment About It, episode 248 with Mary and Chris. We were just talking about pickles and my failed attempts at sourdough. Uh, and about a yeast shortage. Uh, but despite that, uh, Mary, you found some quick yeast. Yeah. And you've been making focaccia. That's true. So um, even though we had so we had the sourdough starter tucked in the back of the fridge that Chris um, alluded to earlier. So we basically got it out, dusted it off. I mean, by, by dusted it off, I mean take all the gross liquid off the top, de- kind of decant it. We scraped the top off and then rejuvenated it by adding flour and it was still perfectly alive and it had a really nice flavor and took off pretty quickly but meanwhile um we made a big so all grocery stores in new york city had to cut their capacity to about half right away and and we're still in that world um they went they require a mask as of like three or four weeks ago. But, you know, grocery shopping has been somewhat of a stressful thing here in New York City. Um, so we went in right when all of this happened. We did a big Costco run because we have a Costco up by the brewery. So we did. We, had, we have a chest freezer left over from our home brewing days. So we got that back up and running and reorganized. Um, so we were able to, you know, do a big grocery run and kind of – I did a bunch of prepping of vegetables um, – you know, and froze a bunch of stuff so that we can have a lot of nice, fresh, frozen vegetables to use um, and to cook with. But one of the things that we got was a 50-pound bag of flour at Costco. <laughs> and um, Around the same price as a 10-pound bag yeah, it was, somewhere else. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, and I thought it was kind of crazy at the beginning, but this was actually before the hardcore flour, flour hit it, shortage hit New York True. City. And um, and I'm really glad that we have it because we've been we've been – baking a lot with it, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things is when we went to our, when I went to our local grocery store here, so basically going to a grocery store here has been, um, you know, it's often involves a line and we're all very carefully careful about social distancing, but it, it's a bit of a stressful experience, I think. So I've been making lists and really, you know, targeting what I need at the grocery store, getting it and getting out. Um, but one of the things I had on my on my list was yeast, and um, the grocery store only had instant yeast. I'm not I haven't used instant yeast that much in the past. Uh, most of the stuff that I've done was with traditional yeast. But hey, they had instant yeast, so I picked up a couple packets, a couple of um, the the packets that have the strips that have three packets each. So I picked up a couple of those, and I started googling. And one of the funnest thing, one of the most fun things that that we've done is make focaccia, and I used King Arthur flowers recipe 
It is called Blitzbread No Fuss Focaccia. And basically, you can go from flour and instant yeast to focaccia in under two hours. It's super easy and um, very, very flexible. You're just, it's basically olive oil, warm water, and all-purpose flour and instant yeast. Uh, You can do a lot of stuff with it. We've done it. I've done it stuffed with feta. I think feta is the best because feta doesn't melt all the way when you bake it in the oven. So it kind of still holds up as it still has integrity when you bite into it. Other cheeses like cheddar or gouda or other like really melty cheeses just completely dissolve into the bread. So I would re- recommend something like feta. Probably goat cheese would work as well. I like you know, the, the saltiness kind, of feta too. Yeah, so actually. It brings up a, a nice true. sharpness. What is the, the kind of cheese that you usually get in like – Mexican restaurants or that we've eaten. Uh, queso blanco. Yeah, queso blanco. That any kind of that, that kind of cheese that doesn't really melt, right? That stays stays solid at high temperatures is the kind of cheese that I would use. And you can, you know, sprinkle that on top. I'd split the dough up into two sections and then I just like stretch one the bottom part out, dropped in my feta and my olives, and then put the other dough on top and then just sealed the edges so everything kind of stayed inside. Um, but that's super easy to do. And like I said, it's you'll have focaccia in under two hours. It's really delicious. It's an easy way to get into baking. I know that there, I'm not sure if there's still a yeast shortage, but I would highly recommend picking up some instant yeast if you can find some. The other thing, great thing about instant yeast is that it's very shelf stable for a very long period of time. That's something I also want to get into. You know, we talk about a lot, a lot of wild ferments or spontaneous ferments on this show, or we have in the past on this podcast. But really, you know, we, I mean, as brewers, we brew with commercial yeast that's yeah. that's grown in a lab. And there are a lot of cool things that you can do with in both instant and regular yeast. So that's one thing that I'd like to delve more into is all the types of yeast, what differentiates them, and you know how to make the most of them in a future episode. So that's one we're definitely planning. Absolutely. And uh, I like focaccia because you can put a lot of herbs on it too. And like herb, herb bread is, is, uh, is just really delicious and fun to play with. And I'm bringing that up because... Uh, we haven't made focaccia <laughs> since uh, since some plants, since some new arrivals That's to our true. family have, have kind of come into play. But uh, when this whole thing started, uh, Mary also got this arrow garden. for. In- so we live in not the smallest apartment, but we live in a New York apartment. We don't have a garden. We're not outside. We have no outdoor right, space you know. at all. There's no balcony. <laughs> There's not even a fire escape anymore. Nothing. All right. We live in a box. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a good sized box, but we have no outdoor space. But don't worry. We have our escape plan for it. It's true. We do have an escape. It's all. It's legal now. Involved our box. Our, <laughs> our box is legal now. It's up to code. Um, bravery. But you know, I miss having outdoor space, and and part of this, you know, not wanting to go to the grocery store. Man, you know, before this, we have this local this uh, bodega. And, uh, bodega in New York City is kind of like a. I don't know, how do you do school? There, there's really nothing like it in, in I grew up in very rural Midwest America, and then I lived in the suburbs and in Atlanta for a while. But bodegas are kind of uniquely. New York City. I think they're they they're also around in other urban cities, but really, truly, New York. Anyway, Bodega is basically like a convenience store. Um, only they often sell all kinds of stuff. Like ours has a juicer, you know, a juicing section, and they have this whole front section that is full of cheap produce. So they must get like late dated stuff from warehouses or whatever. But you can find eggplants too for a dollar. I get bell peppers for you know red bell peppers for for a dollar. It's very inexpensive. Um, 
and and I used to just get you know I'd get off the M train on stop there on my way home and just you know pick up groceries whenever I want to. But right now we can't do that, and I'm I have some like grocery anxiety right now. I think because you know I don't I only try to only go grocery shopping like every other week. We get everything that we need, um, and then you know make do. So one of the things is fresh herbs, right? I love to cook with fresh herbs, and I can't just go dash to the grocery store to get them. I mean, I have to put my mask on. I have to take my little, you know, you know, disposable cloth to touch the doorknob to get out of my apartment building and be really conscious. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to crowd the grocery stores. We can't, you know, we all have to take turns here in New York City. So anyway, I have herb anxiety, fresh herb anxiety. And uh, so I bought an arrow garden. Because I wrote, read this article an arrow on garden. What's an arrow garden? I know garden? on Serious Eats, <laughs> and she recommended an arrow garden, which I thought you know it's kind of like a little, it's a little hydroponic garden. And actually, in grad school, I grew some very large greenhouses of onions hydroponically. So I have some experience, but that was a very long time ago. And this is a really easy way to grow fresh herbs or flowers or. Uh, you can grow a lot of stuff in an arrow garden very, very easily. So it's a very small hydroponic system. But you it can, is flourishing. It's it like is, a giant. It, it's awesome, and it smells great. And so, what different herbs do you have in it right now? So I got kind of the standard herb. I got an arrow garden harvest, which has six six spaces for seeds. So it came with thyme. How much space does it take up? This is not an infomercial it's, for an air garden. I'm just, no, no, I'm just no. saying it's, it's tiny. pretty cool. What? It's I know, like 10 inches by 6 inches or something. Yeah. Anyway, it came with seeds for Thai, regular basil, Thai basil, dill, curly parsley, and mint. So my thyme seedling came up, but it died, so no thyme. Um, the basil, Thai basil and dill are like going insane, and I am pruning it, but I will tell you that currently it is... It's overwhelming the curly parsley and mint. So we're mostly eating Thai basil, regular basil, <laughs> and dill, which is actually kind of okay. And I might replant it with just those three items because, as it turns out, we use a lot of it. Yeah, and Thai I, basil pesto is so yeah, delicious. And let's go back to the beginning of uh, today's first segment, uh, when or the end of today's first segment, when Mary asked about my pickle recipe. So I did a did around three percent brine, and then I took all this fresh dill, like freshly picked dill, from this little arrow garden, and it is ever it is like very aromatic and, and beautiful, uh, and some garlic and one chili pepper that Mary got from that bodega. She said she bought this bag of chili peppers for like a dollar. I have been once since this whole thing. I went like two <laughs> weeks ago because if you go at like an off time. There's nobody there, and it's like feels safe, and also you know being respectful of other people. So, and then also for to keep the the cucumbers crispy after that ice water bath, uh, and, and throughout the fermentation, you don't want them getting too flimsy. So I threw in two bay bay leaves uh, with a, with a three percent brine, and I'm looking forward to it. I I have the lid on uh, just a little bit. It's a thirty two gallon or thirty two <laughs> thirty two uh, ounce uh, mason jar, and with a with the lid lightly on it. Once it starts fermenting, I might cap that up because if you can end up keeping some of the CO2 into the brine solution, if you were the type of person that wants to drink that brine for, I don't know, picklebacks or something, <laughs> you could do that. Uh, and if you want it to be sprightly with a little bit, just ever ever so slightly effervescent, if you close the lid, you'll get that to happen. But you don't want to close it too, too early because then you don't want your, your pickle jar exploding on you. And I've got it kept dark at ambient temperature. And then you put it in the fridge when it's when, after Yeah, when we think it's nice. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I think the cool thing, if you have outdoor space, you know, man, I'd love to have a full-blown backyard with an herb garden again. 
I think we could stand to have like it takes up so little room, and if we had two or three shelves like you know on top of each other, like they could all take up very little space on our wall in a place, and it provides its own sunlight. It's, it's okay, on a timer. Dude. I hate to break it to you, but Did I ordered order more it? grow lights. <laughs> so um, you can Great. make your own hydroponic system Runs as well. We have uh, buckets that we we use a lot of fruit puree in our fruited sours at Fifth Hammer Brewing. So we have. The last batch came in buckets, so we have a bunch of buckets that I'm going to take some home and rig up a bucket hydroponic. I know that I have like a fountain pup kicking around this apartment somewhere back from home brewing days. I so yeah, stolen it. I am. I ordered a grow light, and we're going to be hydroponic city pretty soon. I'm going to be able to grow lots of other stuff too. But on my list to do is I want to. So I did buy some bags of hot peppers. I'm going to make some fermented hot sauce or start a batch mm-hmm. of fermented hot sauce this week. The other thing I want to do is so we we. Um, I made this Thai basil pesto, and basically, I would have to look it up, look the recipe up. But if you Google Thai basil pesto, you will find a recipe. It's basically peanuts, sesame oil, a little bit of other oil. I generally use avocado oil. It's very neutral. Thai basil, a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of fish sauce, uh, hot, some hot pepper. And she doesn't always tell me there's fish sauce in it. I never tell him that because he hates fish sauce. But let me tell you, fish sauce uses a ton of, it just a teeny bit adds such nice umami and such depth to most dishes. I don't hate fish sauce. I hate recognizing fish sauce. Right. So don't add that much. But anyway, Thai basil pesto. And all we did is I cooked some brown rice in our pressure cooker. Um, That's, we've been cooking a lot of stuff in the pressure cooker. It's we don't we have a like an electric pressure cooker not an instant pot but instant pots are very popular or maybe you have a stovetop pressure cooker anyway they're great because you can cook a full meal very very fast so we made brown rice in the pressure cooker i roasted a little bit of cauliflower what else do we have with that something else blizzard tomatoes yeah blistered tomatoes and then we just drizzled the thai basil pesto over and it was delicious healthy meal um, so I'm looking into more things. I'd like to add Thai basil leaves to some ferments as well. Right. So I'm going to think about that. I think, though, you're right. Bread would well, be focaccia with Thai basil would be delicious. Yep. I mean, I think some Thai basil, you know, short maids or spirited sodas can be real nice, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll make a Thai basil uh, slightly alcoholic soda this I week. think that'd be awesome and, uh, and a fun thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. We got – so you get – you somebody – one of our suppliers gave us white wine yeast, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Yes. Yes, they did. And they gave it to us with a spent grain bread recipe. Yep. Because you know, the, they gave us that yeast along with a pitch that I got for, for, for regular bottle bread. conditioning, which oh, is yeah. another place cool. where Fifth Hammer is going. So uh, you know, with this whole packaging thing, we've always wanted to get to the point where we were bottle conditioning some kind of mixed fermentation, uh, both sour beers and just barrel-aged beers and just want to bottle condition stuff and we we're just getting to the point to doing that and uh and then this whole thing came down we did not we do not have our own bottler but i did order one and so that will be coming soon um but like a bottle filler from gw kent to bottle condition lots of exciting things coming to fifth hammer but also here so also we here. would love to hear from you who do you want to hear from in the fermenting world what do you want to learn about what do you want us to learn about um how do they get to uh, get to tell us that? You could email fomentaboutit at gmail.com, F-U-H. Ping us on Instagram. We're going to restart. The, we're going to jumpstart the Instagram again. I guess, yeah, the social. I mean, you're already on online right now listening to this maybe, so you probably know how to use the IG, Foment About It. 
But yeah, I'm looking forward to, to this season. We have some friends. We're going to have hopefully have our friend uh, Joe Kirkhoff help me through, guide me through some some bread. Um, we're going to have a couple of old favorites. Hopefully, uh, Cheryl Passwater will join us again, and uh, and we'll get to some of these topics. What are some of the stuff that you want to get to, Mary, this season? We had a whole list. I want to go. And now I'm going no, blank on this. I want to go more in depth into just straight, not sourdough, but straight up bread making and mm-hmm. like the ins and outs of all the different kinds of yeast. And kind of, I want to be able to wing it to just, you know, bake some stuff. That's the idea with everything, right? You yeah, want to and learn everything lo- and forget it as soon as possible so that if you imagine it, you can just make it Yeah, happen. And, and I think there's a lot of interesting um, kind of new variations on yeast that are out there for bread yeast particularly. So there's something called like, they have, some of the bread, the yeast companies have these, the sourdough shortcut yeast. And I'm curious about that. I've never seen it in the store I think you could, you maybe could get it online at this point or at some point in the future. Um, and I, I don't know. I think it'd be fun to explore more of that. Um, yeah. And then see what else, man. There's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on in the fermentation world right now. That's true. That's true. So One stay of those tuned. things is coming up. Uh, the Bruminaries are having a brewathon, which benefits the New York City Brewers Guild. This and Saturday. I, it's this Saturday. So this, if this actually airs tonight, being Thursday the 21st, uh, then there's still time to check it out. But I guess go to brewminaries.com or .org.com. I'm, I'm bringing it up right now. Uh, brewminaries.com. It's called the 24-Hour Charity Brewathon. And they have a bunch of different guests that will be doing live, either via Zoom or... Or other things that are going on. There's a lot of different ways to, to be involved and take part, even if you're just watching. Um, it starts at 8 a.m. this Saturday. And I will be interviewed at 9.30 a.m. this Saturday. And then it goes all the way until, um, I think, Sunday night. 24 hours. That's more No, until, hours. yeah, until, sa- sorry, until Saturday night. Until Saturday night. So it's mm-hmm. Saturday, yeah. Well, it's all it's all really groovy, and I really love. The oh club. no, that's wrong! They're it goes all the stuff. way through Sunday. Yeah, through there's Sunday? two days. Mm-hmm. Take it. That's the event that I have. Actually, there's uh, not a whole lot of other events. I mean, Mary and I are doing with Fifth Hammer. If you're curious about more what we do like that, we're starting an Instagram Live every other Thursday, uh, talking about different topics. Today, we're going to appreciate loggers, um, and I think it'll be on the Fifth Hammer Instagram page, held up for a while or stapled. Archived on IGTV. Somehow. IGTV, yeah. okay. Yep. Anyway. Thanks for listening and thanks for coming back. Or nice to meet you. And uh, <laughs> uh, we look forward to learning with you more. Yeah. For men about it. For men about it. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to the staff. Thanks to all of you for being you. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.